Ahoy, motherfuckers. Welcome to Hindsight. I'm Derek. As always, I'm joined by the best in the business, Brandon. Brandon, how are you doing? I'm doing wonderful, man. That fucking movie was great. It was. Like, the action in that movie is just sublime. Like, you just... I usually, for the listeners who don't know, I don't know how the fuck y'all don't know, but if you don't know, I take notes for each one of the movies that we watch. Like, usually I end up taking like six to seven to ten pages of notes. I found myself forgetting to take notes watching the action in this movie because it was that engaging at times. And I was like, you know what? I am shocked that this came out in 1991. Like, the brilliance of this movie just shows you, first of all, it shows you how little faith they had in the first Terminator movie because that movie had no budget. It had zero budget. And this movie had like a hundred million dollar budget or not hundred million dollar budget, but it bloomed up pretty quickly. I think it ended up at like yeah, 87 yeah, million. million. It had a hundred million. Yeah, okay. It, it made and, 520 million. And the difference is, is night and day. This movie is easily five stars, easily one of the best movies of all time. I mean, Terminator is up there, but this one is above and beyond everything else you could have ever expected. We're talking Terminator 2 Judgment Day. Brandon, when was the first time you saw the movie? What were your thoughts? I think I saw this in like 1994 or 93. So not a couple years after it came out um i was like uh i don't remember how old i was but it was like 93 94 and and then i went to universal studios like a year later and they had like a, a 3d ride they had the ride with john voice yeah they had a 3d ride in orlando and it was really fucking cool and you see like the liquid terminator come out at you it was really dope so i i remember that even more than the movie but uh I fucking, man, I sat up and watched this movie and I was just like, this is so great. It was so much fun. You know, I realized something um, that I didn't realize until I got old enough to travel on my own as an adult. The East Coast literally whoops the West Coast ass when it comes to good amusement parks. And it's not even yeah. close. And 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 that is, fight me if you want, fuckers. I got proof. Because Universe Studios Orlando has two separate parks that are both better than anything they have on the West Coast in the same fucking structure. Mm-hmm. I don't know Adventure Universal Studios. Then on they also top have of a water park now. They got a water park that's better than any water park they have out here, too. And then on top of that, they also have SeaWorld Orlando, which has one of the greatest rides in the United States in it. And then if you go up the coast a little bit, they got shit in Jersey that'll blow your top back. And they have stuff in Ohio, which we don't talk about, but they got Cedar. Apparently, that's the best roller coasters. I never went. Exactly. But that's the Midwest. That's not really the East. It's, it's, I don't know. No, it's not the Midwest because it's past the midway point of the United States. So I call it the Mid East. <laughs> they Central Time. That's the Midwest to me. We ain't claiming Ohio around here, homie. So um, when I saw Terminator 2, I was 11. Like I said, my parents were just like, yo, let's go. And I was scared. Because, again, I had nightmares. I, I thought the first Terminator was a horror movie until I saw it like last week. And I was like, wait, that wasn't scary. And so I was scared when I saw Terminator 2. And then I realized that it was literally a buddy comedy. Like, it's a it's a buddy action flick. Like like, And it, it fits into the same realm of other movies that were coming out at that time. Like Turner and fucking Hooch and Lethal Weapon of two completely opposite people. And yes, I know I said Turner and Hooch, and I meant that two completely opposite people who come together to defeat an evil or to fight an evil. That's really what this is. Because if I look further than that, this movie still doesn't make sense. And even John says in this movie that the premise doesn't make sense. It makes sense to me. What didn't make sense? Dude, so you're not, not only... Is John only conceived because he sent somebody back to conceive? And we've already talked about that. Yes. That makes and sense. John is John has stated that his dad isn't even born yet. He was like, which is crazy to me. We've right. we've already talked about that. He mentioned that in part two. Yes, that makes but sense. But the company 
that builds the robots that become the company that builds Cyberdyne that becomes Skynet mm-hmm. doesn't start building the robots until they find the wreckage and remains of the robots that got sent back in the past from the robots in the future. They yes. find it in the, the plant. So yes, no, that's that's this version of time travel. It's that's what I tried to explain to you tra- last it, week. It's crazy. I tried and- to explain this to you last week. This is how it's it's the time travel law of it's always going to happen. I you believe know, that's I don't know the I've only seen the first two movies, but my assumption is that, is that it's that always going forward happen. is that no matter what they do, the robots are going to come because it's this series subscribes to the time travel notion of it's always going to happen. And so when you come, so it basically what happens is when you come back and try to change it, something that you do causes it to happen anyway. So in a different timeline, they sent somebody different back to, and they got John pregnant. And then this time they send this person back and it gets John. It's, whenever you go back in time before whatever happened, you're bound to do something to cause whatever whatever what like in marvel they call the nexus event or whatever even mm-hmm. whatever event that has to happen something that you're going to do is going to cause that to happen and that's what they subscribe to now, so far now i hear that it gets crazy after this one whew. in time in time these are the last time. two good movies you're gonna see for like the rest of the month good sir i just want to warn you um part three wasn't yeah it, it was all right um but the fact that you had to create that theory for yourself in order for this to make sense. He didn't create this theory. He didn't state this. He didn't, he didn't make this plan. It was just a figure it out sort of thing is the sci-fi sci-fi thing I've ever experienced in my entire life. And it really irritates me. So anyways, this movie Terminator two came out in 1991 and it starts off with more skulls. The humans are getting lit up in the war against the machines, and I feel absolute rage against this, which means I feel rage against the machines. No? Okay, fine. Uh, you can also tell just by looking, just by seeing the opening intro, the opening war of the machines, you can instantly tell that there's a huge budget for this fucking movie as compared to the first movie. Because the first movie was so murky and so dark all the way through and so muddy. And this movie is just like, I want you to have a clear vision of what these uh, hunter killers look like and what the robots look like and everything. And it's amazing. I have this movie in 4K. I bought it on uh, Voodoo with 4K for like 13 bucks. And it was just. I watched it on Netflix. I don't give a fuck. So Skynet sent two Terminators back. One back in Netflix. One back. You, did you watch Ted Lasso yet? No, not yet. I'm going to watch it. I got to watch the last episode of um, Superman and Lois before anything else. Oh, I can't watch it knowing what he turned into. Skynet sent two Terminators back. They sent one back in 1984 and the other one sent got sent back in 1991. And so the second one, when the second one comes back in 1991, the human sent Rob Rob Arnold back too. Um, and so <clears throat> in a world where nothing makes sense, you have this going on. And um, I literally want to say again that I sat halfway through the long ass credits before I remembered about the long ass credit intros and I got mad because I sat through it. And then I was like, I'm here now, so I may as well just keep going. <laughs> but yeah, no. Um, so they start off after the War of the Machines. We start off in dystopian 1991. The reason why you know it's dystopian 1991 is because there's hell of newspapers all over the ground. Here's the other thing about this. The one thing I didn't like about this movie, and then I just looked up Terminator 3 mm-hmm. of when it came out, is I feel like they're missing like consequential dates. Like, I feel like in the first oh. movie, they said something about, like, 1993 or 4, just, just 1994. Wait. And then this movie is, like, 1997 is when everything goes to shit. So I was like, oh, I guess Terminator 3 came out in 1997. And I looked it up, and it's 2003. And I'm like, just, what is going on? Just you wait. I have questions. So um, a lightning storm happens, and Arnold is back. 
like, I just want to talk about how many newspapers were literally littering that truck stop that they were at. Like, there were newspapers all over the fucking ground. Like, somebody just Skid ran past and said, ah! and that was the scenery. It's Skid Row. Isn't that what they call it in L.A.? Skid, Skid Row? Yeah. Yeah. Um, due to the 90s being more stringent than the 80s as far as rated R movies and rated PG-13 movies, and this is a rated R movie, even though Arnold's back, you don't get Robo Dick. You just get a lot of women staring at his waist to imply that they see it. They looked excited. <laughs> they like, mmm, mmm. Um, he walks up to a biker and he's like, I need your outfit and your boots. And the biker tries to stop him. And I'm like, yo, if you're a biker and you get beat up by a naked guy in a bar, you should probably just move to a place like Venice, Italy, where you become a boat driver and never have to see another bike again. Like all of them got their ass whipped by a naked dude, dick swinging. No, they got beat up by a cyborg. Dick swinging. Them. They don't know I, that. They know that as soon as that nigga threw them <laughs> fucking out the window with one arm. <laughs> it wasn't no regular person. Why do people keep wanting to fight this motherfucker after you see him beat two people up? One dude hit him with a pool stick and he didn't even move. He was just like, A2 Brute. <laughs> he got beat up too. The dude got thrown onto a stove that was on and tried to get off the stove and burnt himself up again. And funny. it was great. <laughs> I laughed at that a lot. Um, when I was a boy, a robot saved my life. I think this is the first place where I ever heard Bad to the Bone. And then I heard it all the time on fucking Married with Children. Yes. Yeah. So I give this uh, show credit or I give this movie the credit for that. Uh, so then the second lightning storm happens and a cop who's driving past just happens to go investigate it because I guess he's investigating nature. Um, and he dies. The other Terminator is fast enough to already have cut a hole into the fence before the uh, guy even comes over to us. So there's this huge hole in the fence with like melted ends to the hole like it's it's glowing orange and that was weird to me because they never showed him having any power to cut anything hot again you know for the rest of the movie um mm -hmm. but the second terminator moves at such a faster rate than uh arnold does and fucking kills the cop um and we find out later on that the terminator works by whatever he touches physically he can imitate which means that if he had killed a pizza delivery driver this movie would have been so much different yeah, but he could have turned into anybody he wanted to. He didn't have to stay as that nigga. As long as he touched him. Yeah, as long as, but he touched when he made way more people because he turned into Yeah, as his, time went on. But I'm mother. saying initially, okay. initially, that motherfucker was he could have been yeah, a pizza he got boy. Lucky. Yeah. He got lucky. Um he immediately gets onto the police computer because again, he gets lucky and looks up uh John Connor, who's 10. This is important. We then go to John's house where his foster mom was telling him to clean up his room. And John is clearly at least 15. But on the computer, it says he's 10. And when they talk to Sarah, she says that she's been working for 10 years since she had John. Hold um, on. What computer said he was 10? The police computer that he typed John's name into to get the address. It says that his uh, really? that he's his guardians, Janelle and, and Todd, and and that he they don't know who his father is and uh, that he's 10 he's years old. He's older than 10 because he's driving a fucking uh, moped. That's what I thought. But. They 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 stated they made sure that they stated that he's 10 years old. Um, huh. And. Also, they said that he was born in 1985, and as far as I knew, this was 1991, but if he's 10 years old, that would mean it is 1995, so then it was okay, because if it was 1991, like when the movie actually came out, then he would have been six. Oh, yeah, maybe this was the, at the time when they said it was about to happen Yeah, or whatever, and they just shot it earlier. Yes. Okay. That's exactly what happened. Uh, John is in the garage working on his dirt bike and his foster parent, Janelle, tells him to clean his room, but he ignores her. And she's um, probably like, man, they told us that this little fucker was going to be 10 and goes back inside the house. Also, Bobby Budnick from Salute Your Shorts uh, thinks that John's foster parents are kind of dicks. 
uh, Todd, his father, his uh, foster dad gets is, is lazy and has to be goaded by Janelle and to make Hold on, John. So what's your source? That's that Nickelodeon show, right? Yeah, that's Bobby Budnick. When they were at that camp? Yeah. Hey, I remember that. Yeah, so that's Bobby. The the John's friend was Bobby Budnick. Oh, that was him? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how you didn't recognize that redhead motherfucker. Same mullet. Probably still got the same mullet. I but used to uh, like that theme song. <laughs> I used to love the show. Uh, Todd goes outside to tell John to do what his mother told him to do. And John looks at him while sitting on his dirt bike and says, she's not my mother, Todd. And then he races off. I would have been like, fuck this kid. Like, he's not even worth it. Uh, we find out that Sarah is in the Pescadero State Hospital doing pull-ups. Um, and the same doctor who didn't listen to her in the first movie is now heading up the doctors there uh, because I guess he never put the police massacre on his fucking resume or something. That's the, that's not the same doctor. That's the same doctor. Oh, shit. That's well, the he, same. He knows now. That's the same ass doctor. Um, All I know is when fucking Terminator 3 comes, I'm saying this right now, when Terminator 3 fucking comes, I better not hear people say, Oh, this these people are crazy. It couldn't possibly be fucking robots. I mean, because they fucking witnessed people, it. It's way too many people who witnessed it and survived in this movie. Mm-hmm. By far. Um, and at some point they just gotta say, you know what, maybe we are in trouble. But no, you you're you're living in the realm of common common sense here. So no. Um <laughs> he diagnosed her with schizoaffective schizoaffective disorder depression anxiety uh acting out in violence and delusions of persecution he tells everyone that she believes that a machine called the terminator which looks human of course was sent back in time to kill her and he's the only person who actually witnessed it so he probably wrote books about it and shit Mm -hmm. uh the t-1000 talks to todd and janelle after dressing up like a cop and asking for a photograph of john which they gave him with no questions asked that's like bad parenting 101 uh they also told him that a big guy on a bike was looking for john that morning and it's like could we have had that conversation too john's a hacker at the age of 10 he ain't no fucking 10 he ain't no fucking 10 he can break into people's bank accounts and steal people's money using a computer and a pin code cloner uh he said his mom taught him that when when he was three he also said that his mom isn't cool, but she just helped you steal $300, fam, so show respect. Um, so now Sarah's being plagued by dreams of the end of the world, but what she's seeing is actually a dream. And just because she knows the day that it's going to happen doesn't mean that she's envisioning what will actually occur. She's just having a nightmare about what somebody told her is going to happen, which is the nuclear war. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Um, however, she does have a point. Anybody not wearing two million sunblock that day is going to have a pretty bad day. That's a lot of sunblock. Two million family. Like, yeah, that's all the sunblock in the world. What are you doing with your time? I'm still applying sunblock. Also, black guy never really worn sunblock before. You should. I don't. Black people still get sunburned. I know. I've seen it. I have seen it with my own eyes. It is not pretty. And yet, duh. Sound like the anti-vaxxers right now. No, it's just that I, you know what? I take that back. When we were on the cruise, I wore sunblock. I'm just not out in the sun enough to make it, you know, to. You definitely need to wear it on a damn cruise. That's when I was like, I need to, because of all the excursions and shit. I was like, I got to put this shit on. So I put it on and it was nice. I didn't burn. burn one day. Don't be trying. Don't be putting that burn on me. You're going to burn one day. Dude, stop that. Um, she says that she deserves to go to the minimum security ward. Oh, also, first movie. Yeah. Good job as far as acting by Linda Hamilton. This movie, she completely overacted every scene she was in. Unless it was she something was, uh, where it was well, She was supposed to be an insane person. Yes. No. No, she's not. Everybody else thinks she's insane. That's yes. important. 
She's not insane. Everybody else thinks she's insane. She's telling the truth. If you're not insane, you're not supposed to sound insane when you talk. If you are telling the truth and everyone <laughs> thinks you're insane, mm-hmm. you're going to start to fucking lose it. No, you're not. Yes, I've talked about this on my show before. The my one of my biggest fears in life, my one of my biggest fears in life is that I actually see a fucking alien. And I start to tell people that I saw an alien and no one believes me. So my parents don't believe me, my friends don't believe me, my wife doesn't believe me. And I'm like, I fucking saw an alien. And no one fucking believes me. And I will I feel it, and I always have this dream that I just go mad because I'm telling people this truth. And no one believes me because it's insane because it sounds crazy. It's one of my biggest fears in life. So what you're not saying in that statement, though, is that because nobody believes you, even though you're telling the truth, that's going to cause you to talk with more fervor and more intensity. Yes, because I'm and more animation until you're jumping over desks and stuff like that. Think about when you're trying to explain something to someone and they're not getting it or they they are dismissing you. Uh-huh. you raise your voice. You'd be like, no, this is what I'm trying to tell you. I'm trying to tell you this. Mm. Now, amplify that to I. these people have locked you up into a, an insane asylum for you. Well, they locked the her truth. up in an insane asylum because she what? What the fuck did she do? She literally firebombed something. Oh, yeah, they said she firebombed something. <laughs> it has nothing to do with what she's saying. She firebombed shit. And also, for all of her good guy shit, I will tell you right now, she came walking up to me the way she walked up to Miles Dyson. She looked like somebody who would hang out with uh, Schillinger from Oz. Yeah, I mean, she should have killed him. She looked like a white supremacist in that outfit. I was with her. She should have killed that nigga. She should have. I'm... <laughs> She was too nice. Kill her son. Kill her son too. It's like what? Get out the way. I have a plan here. You'll thank me later. And then she doesn't kill him, and he dies anyway. So, because um, it's always meant to happen. She says that she deserves to go to the minimum security ward, and she's telling Doctor Silverman whatever she can to convince him that she should be there. Um, and she says, um now that she doesn't believe that she killed a Terminator because there wasn't any remains at the factory where she destroyed it. But we then go to Papa Pope, who's doing some real B-13 level shit after Whitney left him at the altar. And a guy asks him where it came from, and he tells him not to ask. He goes into a secured room at his office where he's looking at the cyborg's form and the data chip for the cyborg. Joe Morton didn't have that Papa Pope charisma yet. No, he didn't. At this point. He, he had that fine. wide Whitney leave me energy. He was fine, but he didn't have that charisma. No. Papa Pope is probably one of my top 10 favorite all-time RTV characters. Yes. Me too. Ever. Um, But here we go again. He didn't know about the cyborg and start inventing the cyborg until the cyborg came back from the future and got destroyed, leaving parts of it behind for him to invent the cyborg. Uh, I know. Dr. Silverman tells Sarah that if he lets her go to minimum security, she just tried to escape again. So he's going to leave her in max security for six more months. So she attacks him and he drugs her. Arnold is rolling through the streets and finds John racing down the aqueduct. And so he follows him to the mall. And at the same time, a girl is telling T1, the T-1000 that he's going to the Galleria. So he goes there as well. So now we have two different cyborgs looking for a 15-year-old, 10-year-old, and John is in the arcade plant Afterburner, which was my shit growing up. That wasn't a real game. Yes, it was. It was? Yes. Afterburner was wonderful. And it was really like that. The the machine really moved and rocked and everything back in the 90s. And it was dope. Sega made it. It's actually, it came out. Uh, for after they had the arcade version, they put it out for the Sega Master System and the Sega Genesis, and I have both versions. Oh, amazing game, especially in the arcade where it had the rocking uh, cabinet and everything. But Robert comes up and asks Budnick where John is, and Budnick lies to him, but some other random-ass kid snitched and is like, he's over there. So John takes off, and Budnick tries to stop the T-1000, and he gets thrown into summer camp. So 
John, <laughs> so John is running down an employee hallway, and who comes strolling up with a box of ro- a box of roses, but Arnold. And he opens a box of roses and pulls out the shotgun that he took from the biker bar, um, and cocks it and shoots a T one thousand, who's made of some sort of metal liquid metal that can't be destroyed. And so the T-1000 is kicking Arnold's ass all around the mall. And honestly, this is the thing. T-1000, whenever he gets his hands on Arnold, he whoops his ass, which makes sense because he's an upright. Yeah, he's more advanced. So I don't know why John didn't send back a T-1000. Because John probably didn't get his hand on the T-1000. He probably got his hand on the old ones and was able to reprogram it, like like on that Star Wars movie. True. So... Uh, T-1000 starts to chase John who could have gotten away while they were fighting each other but instead of actually starting his dirt back he just dirt bike he just kind of stares at the T-1000 who takes off running after him and he is moving but he isn't moving quickly enough so he snatches the guy out of his semi truck and is now looking to run John over but John makes it an aqueduct and instead of just riding off to the sunset again he stops and looks back over his shoulder for the fucking robot who sends a semi-truck over the rail of the freeway and crashes down behind John to run him over. And this shit was fucking dope. Arnold catches up with him on his motorcycle and he snatches John off his dirt bike right before he gets run over. And then he shoots the tires off underneath the semi and the truck crashes and explodes. Or not he shot this scene. Lots of money. Lots of money. Because they look like they destroyed a fucking overpass. That's pretty good special effects of some mm. sort in 1992. Mm-hmm. They fooled me. <laughs> this movie is amazing. <sighs> so, after that, John, who is still shook up by the fact that he got snatched up off his bike by a uh, Terminator, uh, asked Arnold to stop the bike. No, first of all, John is smart enough to determine that he is a Terminator. And he's like, you're a Terminator, aren't you? Yes. Why are you, what are you doing here? You sent me. And that did not startle him at all. This fucking 12-year-old, or whatever the fuck he is, that didn't startle him. He's like, oh, my mom must have been telling the fucking truth this whole he, goddamn time. He's 10. He's, he's no, 10. He ain't no fucking 10. He's, he's, a, he's, he's like Cuba Gooden Jr. He's a 10-year-old, 15-year-old. No, Cuba Juden Jr. were supposed to be that age. They didn't fucking say Cuba Juden, Cuba Gooden Jr. were 16 and then they showed him at fucking like renting a car like he was 25. <laughs> he was supposed to be that age. This dude was driving a dirt bike on the street. On the street, in the aqueduct. Parents don't give a fuck about him. His friend looks like he's fucking 15. Everybody looks like they're 15, but he's 10. And I'm going to take a screenshot and show it to you that he's 10. So 35 years in the future, John reprograms the Terminator that initially went back to kill him, but he didn't reprogram the same Terminator. It's just that they made a assembly line of Terminators that all had the same face as Arnold. And so that's why he sent him back. And now he's good. They go to a liquor store to use the phone and he calls home to talk to Janelle um, and checks to make sure that everything's okay. She's chopping up vegetables when she answers and she's talking way too nicely on the phone to him. So he knows something's up. Todd is yelling at the dog because it's barking and John hears it. Uh, Todd tells Janelle that he thought that he was going to tell the, that he thought she was going to tell the kid to get rid of that fucking mutt. And Janelle turns her arm into a sword blade and stabs Todd. Arnold acts like he's John and asks what's wrong with Wolfie, the dog. Janelle says the Wolfie's fine and then asks where he is. So Arnold hangs up because the dog's name is Max. How is this fucking Terminator this smart? That's a good question. How are either of them this smart? Because one knows exactly how to act like a cop with all the procedural shit and everything. But they both have data information, I guess, inside of them. Like AI. Because they probably made these robots fucking peacekeepers before they took over the fucking world mm. but he he knew how to play he knew how to play the fucking other the fucking more advanced cyborg he knew how to play him mm-hmm. but also if you were intimidated if you were doing that if that robot should have been like 
That sounds like a he probably thought it was a person. Because wasn't he doing John's voice? Yes. Arnold was doing John's voice then. Yeah. So he probably thought it was John. They should have been long gone. But yes. also, by the way, there should have been no way that fucking cyborg caught up to him. No. Oh, no, that's right. They had to go back and get the mama. I forgot what happened. The, they, they realized that the cyborg was going to go after his mom, and he made him do a detour. I forgot. Because at first he was like, I'm not going to do it, and then he found out that Arnold has to do whatever he wants. Yeah, so they actually explained that. Look at that good storytelling in 1992. No, they explained why they go back to get Sarah, because, the, you know, John told him, look, you got to do whatever I say. So when he goes back to the past, he has to do whatever John says. It makes sense. Yeah, no, but I'm saying they explain why they didn't just drive the fuck away where the cyborg couldn't catch him. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, John was like, I got to go get my mom. Fuck you. Let's go. Um, the question that I had regards uh, the T-1000 being in the house playing Janelle. Because when John called, Janelle was chopping up vegetables for dinner. And I have the question of what was the T-1000 going to cook? How long, was this how, how long was this charade going to actually go on? Like, if John hadn't called that evening, was it going to act like Janelle for a week? Was it going to act like a month? Was she going to go to her job and get promoted and make a new marketing plan? Like, what exactly was the idea here? He probably assumed John was going to call at some point. And he was right. Um, the cops tell Sarah that the Terminator's back and that the foster parents have been killed. And she acts like she's in a fugue state uh, and steal the paperclip from the desk. Um, also, Arnold tells um, tells John that the T-1000 can imitate anything it comes with physical contact with as long as it's of equal size, but it can't make bombs, only like swords and stuff with his hands. It can't make guns. John tells Arnold that his mom shacked up with anyone that she could learn from so she could teach him how to be a great military leader. He feels bad because he didn't believe her and he wants to go and break her out. But Arnold says no, that it isn't safe. John starts yelling like, like Arnold's assaulting him and tells him to let him go. So he does. And then some guys come over to help John and they get their ass whooped for their troubles because John tells Arnold to beat them up, but not to kill them because John's a fucking dickhead. Let's be honest. I like John. He's like my man, Junior. I'm not surprised. Mm-hmm. He's like my man, Junior. So Sarah he is... He taught him hasta la vista. And that makes it all better. Yeah. He stole 300 bucks from some unknowing person. So Sarah is locked up, but she takes the uh, paperclip that she stole and she takes the shackles off her feet so she can dance. And it's just in time because the T-1000 is there and he's turned into the floor. He murders the security guard that's uh, getting coffee who says, it's my lucky day, death. And then he hides him in a closet. Meanwhile, Sarah beats up an orderly and hides him in her room. Uh, Silverman is walking with is talking with a doctor when Sarah shows up and breaks his arm. Uh, Arnold and John show up at the facility and John makes Arnold swear that he won't kill anyone. So Arnold shoots the guard in the gate at the gate in the kneecaps. Opens the gate and tells John he'll live. (laughs) He'll live. Sarah has a syringe full of window cleaner that she's jabbed in the Silverman's throat and demands to be freed. Silverman tells her that she isn't a killer and she tells him that he's already dead. So it doesn't matter. Uh, he gets, she gets through the door and is racing down the hallway and is about to get all the way gone. When she hits the elevator button and John and John and Arnold step out and she collapses because she sees Arnold. So she runs away from him and an orderly tackles her and John tells Arnold to help her. So he does in a non-lethal way. And he tells Sarah, come with me if you want to live, which is exactly what, Kyle Reese told her and that's when she starts to fall in love with him and wants to have his robot I'm kidding um and then the T-1000 shows up and Silverman literally sees it walk like liquid turning the liquid metal to get between prison bars and then Silverman is still standing there as uh Arnold pumps it full of lead And they get onto the elevator and it manages to get a blade through the door and turns the blade into a pry bar and pries the door open. And then Arnold shoots it in the face. 
Mm-hmm. And then they get to the parking area and jack a cop car and then they drive out. But the T-1000 comes out the elevator running and he's on some Forrest Gump type speed and Arnold shooting with a shotgun and Sarah, Sarah shooting with a pistol. And it's about the same response as that guy with the pistol in Harlem Nights. Like the shotgun's bucking it back with the pistol, just like ping, ping. And it's still running after him and it jumps on the back of the car and it's making its way up the back of the car when Arnold tells Sarah to drive and shoots it with a shotgun in the face again. So then Sarah and John hug and John's just happy that his mom is out and free. And Sarah shows why John's an asshole by saying, you shouldn't have came and rescued me and completely like breaks John down. and He cries. And Arnold's like, what are those things coming out of your face? Tears. Tears, buddy. Why do you cry? Why, why do why do men cry? I'm just a I'm just a robot looking for information. Why do why do why do men cry? I did like that relationship between them two. Yeah, it was dope. So um at that point, John teaches Arnold how to talk and tells him about Asla Vista baby, and you call somebody a dickhead and all that kind of stuff, because John, again, is a motherfucking jerk. Um, and it's it's crazy how much of how much Asla Vista baby changed the lexicon of how they spoke in the world after this movie came out. Like, it's really wild. Mm-hmm. And but, I'll be back. And I'll be back. But the way that they talked in the 90s was fucking stupid anyway, so tubular was a thing in the early 90s and late 80s and gagged me with a silver spoon so they just moved from like malibu talk into gritty skid road dystopian future newspapers everywhere talk i guess Mm -hmm. sarah asks arnold how skynet gets started and he tells her that it's papa pope's fault skynet becomes self-aware and attacks russia starting world war three uh, so then they go to Mexico and they go to Sarah's treasure trove of guns and get everything, including a fucking minigun. Um, and Sarah falls asleep at the table and has a dream of the bomb dropping on a park full of children again. And so when she awakens, she decides, I'm just going to cut out the 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 middleman in this motherfucker. And she decides, you know, just go murder Papa Pope. Go kill Dyson. That's a and that is a very inductive decision. Right. I don't know. She didn't why. tell nobody. She shouldn't have. She didn't tell nobody. Also, how does she amass all those fucking weapons? That's a good, good question, sir. That's what I want to know. Like, where are these coming from? Whom, whom gave you all these guns? Because she had a fucking minigun, my nigga. Like, a minigun. Like, grenade launchers. Grand Theft Auto kid watch grenade launchers multiples mm-hmm. of all of these it's like when you go to <laughs> ammunition <laughs> on grand theft auto with a million dollars who she was hanging around whoever it was they were ready for the revolution and she was like we're on two different pages but that's cool um even though killing dyson will stop will stop the war from starting and everybody knows this john still wants to stop his mom from killing him and she goes and she has a sniper rifle and she has a clear shot at him, but she waits too long and her shot is lost when Dyson's son drives his RC truck into his foot. <laughs> that was lucky as fuck. Then she comes in on foot to make sure that he's dead with a pistol and shoots him in the shoulder, but she can't pull the trigger to do the fucking kill shot. So then John and Arnold show up and Dyson asks who they are. So John has Arnold show them his exoskeleton and tells him the future. So they go to Cyberdyne to destroy everything. But security sets out the sign alarm. That had to fuck them up. Can you imagine finding out that you're the reason that the fucking world ends? But to his credit, he found out and he was like, let's fix it. I mean, after some coercion. Well, I mean, also, I just want to point out the fact that they're all talking like they're good friends after you just shot me in the goddamn shoulder. Yeah, he deserved it. Yeah. But like he said, you're on me for something I didn't even do yet. That doesn't matter. You do it. 
You actually, he's lying. He already started doing it. Why the fuck you had that chip and that fucking hand anyway? In a nice glass container, though. You so already started that shit. Trying to play victim. <laughs> Papa Pope would never play victim like that. No, he will just make funny until you cry like John. Um, Arnold goes out and you shoots off. You are a boy. That's what he said. <laughs> You know what? In the midst of all of this, I just want to say that the writing is amazing on Scandal. Mm-hmm. Just mwah. Whew, Shanta Rhymes. Shonda Rhymes. Without your words, there's no Papa Pope. But without Papa Pope, there's nobody to really execute your words. Nobody else could deliver those words like that. Exactly. Man, Fitz thought he had him. I'm having sex with your daughter. (laughs) Hey, Brandon, do me a favor. Please find the clip of that nigga lacerating Fitz when he's like, you were a boy. And just when you get it, let me know and I'll stop talking. I don't give a fuck. This show is not about that at all. Oh, Papa Pope. If we had known back then where you were going to end up at, I wouldn't have let anybody shoot you either. It's so. It's. I think this is it. Hold on. I think I got it. Look at this. Let's, I think this is it. Let's listen. Let's see if this is it. Oh, my hit and play. Turn it up. Oh, hold on. Who takes a child's mother from her? Can you hear it? Mm-hmm. I'm screwing her, you know. Mm. Your daughter. Every chance I get. The things I could tell you about the way she tastes. She's quite a girl. Talented. (laughs) You're funny. You're a funny, funny man. I am. Or should I say boy? You're a boy. You've been coddled and cared for, pampered and hugged. For you, it's always summertime and the living is easy. Daddy's rich. Your mama's good looking. You're a rat. You got money in your blood. You are a boy. I'm a man. I have worked. For every single thing I have ever received, I have fought and scraped and bled for every inch of ground I walk on. I was the first in my family to go to college. My daughter went to boarding school with the children of kings. I made that happen. You cried yourself to sleep because daddy hurt your feelings, because papa banged his secretary, because it hurt to have so much money, you spoiled, entitled, ungrateful little brat. You have everything handed to you on a silver platter and you squander it. You're given the world and you can appreciate it because you haven't had to work for anything. So now you've decided that the one thing that you want is my daughter, my child, mine, what I made, what I created. You could talk about what a great lay she is to try to get a response from me all you want. But guess what? I am actually, quite literally, above your pay grade, which means that I know that you believe that you are in love with her, as strong as you may be. I do love her. You love that she is a door-marked exit. You love that she is your way out. Because if you are with Olivia Pope, You don't have to fulfill your father's dream of being president. If you are with Olivia, you no longer have to be your father's son. An apple never falls too far from the tree. You are always going to be Senator Grant's disappointing boy, Fitz. She is always going to be the formidable Olivia Pope. Don't use the person that I made to make you into a man. You're a boy. You. 
<laughs> oh my god! Now you see why I wanted to do this on fucking uh, our other show. Oh my god! Yeah, it's, but it's just that when he's not on there, and when Huck isn't on there, and when Jake isn't on there, and that last season. Like the last two seasons were just Man, like long. That'd be like a six year podcast. <laughs> yeah. Ugh. Well, no, but no. I would love years. to. I It'd would love like, to just do all Papa Pope's greatest hits and just giggle my motherfucking ass off. It would take us a year to do two seasons. Ugh. No, thanks. <laughs> We'd have to go to like twice weekly and shit. You are a boy. Was He's this really- his first movie? His first big movie? That's a good question. It's I thought that this was after uh, a different world. That's not a movie, though. No, I think this is his first big movie. Let's see. Two. Uh, no, he's been acting since the seventies. He was in Mission. Oh, that's a TV show. He was in Mash in nineteen seventy six. Uh, he, he was in Guiding Light. Look at him doing the soaps. <laughs> well, with that acting prowess, oh, how could he not? Pink Panther. Okay, he was in the Pink Panther. Yeah. Professor Clouseau. He was in Miami Vice TV show. That was just one episode. Uh, Crossroads, Stranded, Terrorist on Trial, Alone in the Neon Jungle, Zelly and Me. Oh, he was in Police Story. Oh, that's the movie Police Story. He was in the TV show. Uh, yeah. looks. Yeah, that was his first big movie. I mean, I don't know none of these fucking other movies. The Lost Platoon, City of Hope, Miles Dyson, Terminator 2. First big movie. I mean, if you're going to knock it out the park, the only other legend that I know who did the same thing was Alan Rickman. I mean, he was in movies before then. He's been he's been acting like Alan Rickman wasn't even active before that, really. He was in Sanford and Son. Get the hell out of here. My guy had been acting for a long time. But all right, we can get back. <laughs> so so um that was like the that was like the uh the interlude on the chronic 2001 that's like that was how good it was okay i'll give you that so they go to cyberdyne to destroy everything arnold shoots all the cop cars but ensures that no cops get injured so, of course, they all run in and kill the only black person in their circle, Dyson. Um, and he's holding the detonator and it triggers an explosion that takes Datadyne out. So then they uh, leave out the building again with all the, the, the chip and the, the cyborg orm and they decide that they're going to destroy it the old fashioned way and burn and fire. Or the lake of fire. I went down, down, down to the ring of fire. The ring of fire. Sorry, white people. I'm getting there. I don't think they made this with the idea that they were going to make more. No, I don't think they did either. I think this was supposed to be the end. And um, so they get to, they start leaving out and C-1000 hops into a fucking helicopter. And tells the dude simply, because he oozes his way into the helicopter, into the helicopter, forms himself into a cop in front of this dude's eyes, and tells him get out. And the dude jumps, and you think he's jumping to his death until you see that the T one thousand's helicopter is not that far off the ground. It might be like ten feet. So the dude didn't die. That's another person who can witness. Yo, a fucking liquid thing came in the helicopter and told me to get out. Mm-hmm. So I left. And he flies after them as they're driving down the highway, and it's really dope, and it's another great action scene. And they make it to another uh, smelting plant that's just full of fire. Um, and the T-1000 is whooping Arnold's ass again. Oh, no, he was driving, but you got to remember, he drove a fucking um, liquid nitrogen liquid nitrogen car and yeah. iced himself. Iced himself and and they blew him up and for a second you were like okay that's dope it's done and it would have been it feels like Siberia or something but it's not it's like a smelting plant in L.A. so he starts to melt and as he starts to melt all the pieces come back together and again instead of them running away and hiding or something they just stand there and watch him put himself back together you know 
Yo, yo, Wallace on my mind. Fuck the WWE. I'm sorry. Okay. So, um, then Sarah watches Arnold get his ass whooped so bad that he has to shut down his power and move to auxiliary, uh, auxiliary power because the t-1000 not only beats his ass but then he drives a spike through his chest like stay there and the spike goes through this metal plate or through a grate in the ground rather so then sarah uh tells john to take a to ride a chain down into a conveyor belt and john thinks that sarah's coming behind him but she's not she's gonna stay up there and fight i don't know why and so she's fighting and she gets her ass whooped. And so then um, the T-1000 changes himself into Sarah and says, John, I'm hurt. John, I'm hurt. And John, who was told by his mom earlier, don't give a fuck about me. You're the father of the revolution, comes back to find his mom. And he's about to go to her when his real mom shows up. John, and get down. John, get down. And then Arnold shoots the T-1000 with a fucking grenade launcher in the face. And he's so They should have had Arnold when the fucking T-1000 was riding the helicopter. They should have had him say something with the chopper. That would have been the fucking cool little thing in the movies. He hadn't learned to say that kind of stuff yet. Remember, no, Predator was before this. No, I'm saying in this movie, he hadn't learned how to say something like that. John had to teach him all his cool phrases. Well, he could have been like, Get out of the way of the chopper. Get out of the chopper. Something like that, yeah, but no. Besides, who would have laughed? And it was a serious moment. Um, so Arnold shoots the T-1000 in the face, and it literally blows him into, like, two separate halves of itself. And it's so shocked this two different halves of itself that I guess it stumbles for the first time in his robot life, even though as liquid metal, it's never felt pain before. But I guess it's stunned by being shot like this. So instead of just being like, bitch, did you not see what I did earlier and put it itself back so together? Freaky. It's, it's hella freaky. I can't and imagine being in 1992, seeing that in the movie. They're probably like, oh, look at that. That's just weird. Imagine I was 11 seeing it in 1991. So he stumbles back into the fire and he melts. And again, I didn't think he felt pain, but he's screaming like a motherfucker while he's disappearing. And Arnold did say earlier that they do feel the idea of pain. So, mm-hmm. yeah, there's that. And then they they throw the uh, cyborg arm and the data chip into the fire. And Arnold's like, wait, there's one more of each. And he points at himself and he's like, I have to do this. And he gets lowered into the fire while John cries. Sad moment. That was sad. It was because he had actually made a. Uh, that was connection. his robot daddy. Mm-hmm. He was teaching him how to fix cars and shit. And so they're like, yeah, the uh, movie is now over. You can, um, the future is what you make it, blah, blah, blah. And that's the end. Production took sufficiently long enough that Edward Furlong visibly aged during the shoot. He had to stand in holes in the ground to maintain continuity and height difference with Linda Hamilton. That's funny. Robert Patrick trained in a rigorous running regimen while breathing only through his nose in order to be able to run at high speeds without appearing to show fatigue on film. He had trained so hard that he was able to actually catch up with Edgar Furlong on his dirt bike with great ease. So he had to slow down considerably. How slow was that dude fucking driving? No clue. Um, Let me see. There were other ones. This is the top grossing uh, R-rated action film of all time, uh, just for inflation. No, not anymore. Uh, Just for inflation. Uh, okay, maybe. How much did Deadpool make? I feel like Deadpool made a lot of money. Yeah, it did. It's like the number one now, like overall, but adjust for inflation. Oh, yeah, probably for inflation. Deadpool made 782. This made 600. Yeah. So, yeah, probably. So, um, 
gosh, there was something else that I wanted to say. Oh, yeah. Local residents um, in Lakeview Terrace, where the movie was filmed, held a protest outside the medical center when it was dressed up to be the Pescadero State Hospital for the Criminally Insane. And then they realized that they were only protesting a film set. (laughs) (laughs) The white folks were mad. They're like, we don't want. Oh, 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 never mind. Oh, and the liquid metal T-1000 was actually intended for the first film. Skynet was supposed to send the liquid killer back as soon as it learned that their first assassin, uh, the T-800 played by Arnold, had failed its mission. Even Skynet was reluctant to send the T-1000 as it was experimental and could potentially cause more harm to the timeline than good. James Cameron couldn't afford it back in 1984 to make it no, look and it good. wouldn't have looked good. Mm-hmm. But after he did The Abyss, he felt as though computer-generated special effects had become advanced enough to animate the T-1000. Yeah, it would have looked like a never-ending story. I love that movie. Um, yeah, I guess that'll be about it. There is more, but I can't remember where I found them at. Oh, yeah. Linda Hamilton received weapons training from former Israeli commandos and personal physical training. Uh, She also had to maintain a demanding non-fat diet even during filming and lost 12 pounds. After training, she was able to impress director James Cameron by hitting every mark with a machine gun on a special shooting range, despite having no weapon experience beforehand. And she got a special compliment from Arnold Schwarzenegger on the first day of filming. Because of this punishing regimen, she declined to reprise her role for Terminator 3, Rise of the Machines. Oh, that's why she's not in it? Yep. Oh, I didn't know that. Yep, yep, yep. And the last thing was uh, Edward Furlong really did look at Arnold like a father figure. And so Arnold started to give him advice about girls and uh, Linda Hamilton joked that she experienced excruciating moments when she was forced to listen as Schwarzenegger gave Furlong advice and said that they did so well together because they were emotionally the same age. (laughs) Uh... Edward Furlong was the MVP of this movie, though. He was good. I liked Arnold. Yeah, me too. But everything he learned, he learned from Edward. Yeah, he played a robot so good. Yeah. Just a deadpan face. Oh, let me also add in, this was Edward Furlong's very first acting job ever. But they don't even have him come back as uh, John Connor in the next movie. Nah, because the next time he comes back, he's all fucked up. Like, he really, if you look at his life, he, it didn't go well. It, it does not, it hasn't gone well yet. He's still alive. Well, we'll find out next week with the great Terminator 3, which I've never seen. Rise of the Machines. And my girl from uh, Homeland is in there. And you said that it's, um, you said that it's on Netflix, right? Or HBO Max? That's what it says online. HBO Max. Okay, cool. I'm not paying for it. Yes, on HBO Max. Okay. Yep, not paying for it. Also, let me just say it again. Fuck WWE. I know that this is supposed to be uh, evergreen. I want you to know, even when you listen to this now, that the way they did Bianca Belair was fucked up as fuck. And there's a reason why I fuck with AEW like that. So, yeah, fuck them for that. Come on, Brandon. I know you saw SummerSlam. I saw SummerSlam. You have no thoughts. Yeah, I thought it was messed up. Okay, cool. I was worried for a second. Okay. All right. So, y'all can leave a review on Podchaser. The cool thing about Podchaser is that you can leave a review for the show and for separate episodes. Um, you can also leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Um, and you can leave a review on Stitcher. Um, you can email us at uh Hindsight Mirror Reviews at gmail.com. Review the spell R E V U E S um, because the other one was taken. Brandon is on Twitter at that cool black nerd. That's B O K. I'm on Twitter at Rashani, and the show is on Twitter at Hindsight Reviews. Again, that's R E V U E S. Um, 
you can leave a voicemail if you want, 916-633-1537. And uh, you can become a Patreon member at patreon.com uh, slash single simulcast. You can donate to the show to help us buy books and movies at buymeacoffee.com slash sscast. And if you're listening on Good Pods, first of all, thank you so much. You can uh, tip us by just going to the tip jar in our profile. I think that's about it. Next week, we're doing the uh, Rise of the Machines. And if it hasn't started going down at that point, then it's definitely going to hit rock bottom at the next one. So you say. No, I'm certain. I'm 100% positive. But thank y'all so much for listening. We greatly do appreciate it. Y'all be good. We're going to holler at you later. Peace. for hindsight is coffee by cambo smith and it's from the free music archive this is single simulcast